It is, it is good to see everybody here. Let me tell you, happy Father's Day. So, so proud of my daughter, Brooke, that led worship this uh, morning. All the worship team did a great job. Lisa is out of town. She said that she would be watching if I said anything snarky about her, so I'll just leave that that there. Uh, But it is great. I think our ushers are, I want to ask them to just go ahead and start passing out. Uh, This is the first gift of the day. So ladies, I know Mother's Day, we just had some gifts for you. We have at least several gifts for the men. And several is plural, that means two. So uh, the first gift is this little, uh, just probably about six ounces of coffee. And uh, this year what's special about this is WGO, World Gospel Outreach in Honduras that we support by buying their coffee. Uh, They have a children's home and the the place that we went on our missions trip, uh, we support them. And this coffee is the coffee that we serve at Axiom. This is the coffee that actually is grown in Honduras on the farm. And uh, they this coffee is a little different because they actually roasted it there in Honduras and packaged it. And so we wanted to give it to all the fathers this morning. And it should make you, depending on if you like black, black coffee, either one pot or maybe two or three pots of coffee. But uh, it's very good coffee and uh, we wanted to bless you with that. Uh, real quick, I wanted to announce that on the last Sunday, the last Sunday of the month is June the 30th, and we're going to have church on Sunday evening. We haven't done that in a while, but we will move our Christian education time, so we won't have it in the morning, we'll have it in the evening. And we've invited about 10 churches to be here with us. The North Fort Worth section is going to show, uh, we're going to have our praise and worship, Lisa and the worship team, uh, hopefully will lead worship that night. And then uh, after that, we'll show a movie. Uh, One of our missionaries has a movie. It's about 25 to 30 minutes long. And then we're going to, it'll all be within, they tell me, about an hour and then after that, then we're going to go down to Axiom Coffee. And uh, this is the best part. Uh, we'll have a great worship part, let me <laughs> say that. But but the, the section is going to pay for all the stuff that we eat at Axiom Coffee and everybody that wants to go after church that night. And uh, I thought that was a pretty good thing. And so we want to make sure that you're aware of it. We'll remind you at the end of the service, today is the... Uh, June 16th, the third of the fifth Sunday in the month. So the fifth Sunday, the last Sunday, is that that event. Uh, this is Father's Day, so I thought I'd start out with some fathers, or let's say dad jokes. How many children have ever heard dad jokes at your home? <clears throat> what did the father buffalo... Say to his son, Bye, son. (laughs) My, My father is so smart, he knows the answer before I even ask the question. And the answer is no. 
And my favorite one is, hey, Dad, did you get a haircut? No, I got them all cut. <clears throat> my grandfather used to have this as a saying when I came home from school. He said, did you learn everything today or do you have to go back tomorrow? <laughs> we love Father's Day. This morning, you, you got a bag of coffee, Father. And the, the reason, kind of what I wanted to say about that is, we know that in itself, it starts as really what we call a bean, but really it's a seed. It looks like a cherry. They pick that at the perfect time. They break it open, and there's two seeds in that cherry, and they look like beans. They put them out on drying beds, which takes quite a while to dry out to the perfect moisture level. Then they put them in bags and store them. Then they're taking, they're taken to a mill and they're milled and all the, kind of like the husk, kind of like a peanut husk or uh, the parchment around the, the seed is taken off. It's called green bean at that point. At that point, the green bean is taken and put into a roaster. Now, you can do it in different places. I mean, like a popcorn popper some people use, and some usually or can use a skillet even over the stove. And if you know the story about my son, his was in the kitchen at about 12 at night when it blew up and the smoke went everywhere, and the alarm went off, and I came out, and he was done within five minutes and off to his own house. But, but what the point is, is that you roast it and it comes under extreme temperatures in an oven. It begins to crack at 380 degrees in my experience. It begins to pop just like what you would imagine popcorn because of the temperature and the pressure that it's under. Then at the right time, and I mean a few seconds can make a difference it comes out and cools down as fast as you can to cool it down so it'll stay at that roasting color. Then it is put under more pressure because it is ground, depending on what you're going to use it for. Most of us grind it into very, very fine pieces. And then it is poured, our hot, extreme hot water is poured over those grounds And a filter is used to get the final product. This morning, I'm speaking to fathers. Sometimes it feels like you carry a load that nobody understands. And I'm going to speak to you this morning in love because as a father, nobody knows our troubles that we got. Nobody said, sing it, Pastor, or I would have continued. We'll just go on. But as a father, there's a different kind of responsibilities and pressures that we go through. The the Word of God calls us and, and calls us to being spiritual heads over our families. In the culture that we live in, a lot of times that is passed to the mother. But, but in a Christian home, the father needs to take that step up and, and to say, you know what, the things that come into my house, the things that we do as a family, as Joshua said, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. 
You know, this week I was at Best Buy and I was buying some routers that, that go into the church. And I was listening to the conversation beside me and, and the, the guy says, well, what are you doing for your father on Father's Day? And he said, well, my father likes to sleep in and then I'll probably take him to a movie and then to a steakhouse. Which I started thinking, one of the biggest days of the church year is on Mother's Day. But usually on Father's Day, it's very poorly attended because the father might be going to church, but a lot of times they'll choose, it's my day. I'm going to do something different than go to church. And I just want to say, I appreciate you fathers that are being here today, choosing to make God number one in your life. This morning, I want to take a passage out of Leviticus chapter 16. That's right, we're deep here at the chapel. We're going to Leviticus. In Leviticus, now, this is the time where God has set down the atonement. The atonement is a, a time where it, it's a picture of being one again with God, to being reunited, to be forgiven. In, in Leviticus chapter 16, verse 7, it talks about two goats. That's right, I said it, goats. Now listen to it. It says, and he shall take talking about Aaron, the high priest, and he shall take two goats and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And Aaron shall cast lots upon the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other lot for the scapegoat. And Aaron shall bring the goat upon which the Lord's lot fell and offer him for a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot Failed to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord. Look at that. To make atonement with him and to let him go for a scapegoat into the wilderness. Now, if you go down for sake of time to verse 21, it says, And Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat and confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions and all their sins, putting them upon the head of the goat, and then to send him away. Now, now watch this. This is my sermon today. It says, And shall send the goat away by the hand of a fit man into the wilderness. A fit man. It says, and the goat shall bear upon him all the iniquities unto land not inhabited. And he shall let go the goat in the wilderness. That, that's in the King James Version. I, I want to uh, just show you in the Amplified Translation, just that last verse. The goat shall carry on itself all their, talking about all their, talking about the Israelites, all their wickedness carrying them to a solitary and infertile land, and he shall release the goat in the wilderness. The fitness industry, exercise, workout. The, the, the fitness industry, I'm told, is a 27 billion, with a B, 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 billion dollar industry. Fitness centers, as I was reading this, this is amazing. Fitness centers know that when they're selling their memberships, most of them will come at the beginning of the year. 
I would ask how many people have had a membership at the first year, but I will not. I refuse to. Memberships are sold mostly at the first of the year, but fitness centers realize that sometimes, most of the time, almost all the time, only 18 to 20 percent of the people that buy memberships will actually use the membership. Listen, more than one month. But this is what's amazing. Only 1% of those people that buy memberships will start in January and work out throughout the whole year until December. 1%. Those who sign up and get memberships and don't work out are a fitness center's best customer. To think that only one out of five people will continue the workout. We, we have a, a fitness trainer in our church, and Gary, and, and he, is, he goes to people's houses to, to help them and to work out. And, and you know, so many times, I, I, I want to say, you know, maybe, maybe I need Gary to come to my house. And maybe I need him to say, John, put down the fork. <laughs> and, and there's something about how the media can motivate us, right? Can motivate us and encourage us through their advertisements and saying, you'll feel better if you use my product, you'll look like this. Do you remember the Marble Man? Anybody ever remember the Marble? He's a Western guy, you know, he looked pretty, I wonder what he looks like now. After smoking for 50, 60 years. But the media can motivate us and encourage us and say, you'll look better, you'll feel better to, to be actually fitter, to be able to be able to live life better if you'll just exercise. And we can be motivated, but we, and smile because I said we, lack the discipline. That it takes to say, you know what, if it takes me getting up early in the morning, if it takes me even not going to bed later at night because my schedule is more busy in the morning than evening, I'll do it because I, I need to be, for my health-wise, I, I need to be better. And I think that we all love and fall in love with the idea, but we just lack the discipline. This, this morning, I want to tell you something that is even that health is important. Our spiritual fitness fathers are more important. That there's people that really will count upon us in the way that we look out of our lenses, or our eyes, how our perspective is, if it's based on the Word of God, that it'll be the same way that they look at the Word of God. This morning, I want us to be more than just motivated or encouraged to do it. To, to actually understand that, that what is happening in this story, the picture of these two goats is a foreshadowing of something better that was coming. And that is Jesus coming and dying for our sins. See, one goat was called the Lord's goat. And he had to die, that goat, for the sins of the people. The second goat was called the scapegoat. The people would come before the priest. Now, just think about this. Aren't you glad that this doesn't happen? That Let's say that 
this guy up here is the priest. I, I'm not. But, you know, I did have somebody call me Father John for several years, and I, that was okay. She was from a Greek Orthodox church, and so she just felt comfortable. I said, as long as you don't try to kiss my ring, I'm okay with that. All right. So, so here, here I am, the priest. And what would happen in this story, as it would be a picture that would be lived out, is people would come before the priest, and, and let's say, I don't have anything except this podium. This is the goat. Families would come before the priest and confess their sins. And as he was hearing the confession, those sins would go on the head of this goat. People would confess, and you can imagine, there, there could be some embarrassment as, as the confession of their sins took place. And, and the, the priest would lay his hands on those, that goat as the scapegoat for the whole population of Israel. Wow. The, the scapegoat was different than the goat that was considered the Lord's goat. Now let me, let me tell you this. Aaron, it says, shall bring the goat and offer him for a sin offering. That, that's the Lord's goat. He paid the price for their sins. But the scapegoat was used so that the sins of the people could be put on his head and then a fit man would let him go so far out into the wilderness to remove the sins from the people. Listen to the, the parallel of Jesus. Here's Jesus and he dies for the, the sins of mankind and he is the sin offering so he dies as the sacrificer, but three days later he rises again as the liberator. Now, now watch this. He says that I will forgive you of your sins and give you the grace that you can break free of that sin. There's something about being in the middle of sin and you know it's wrong. And, and a lot of people say, you know what, I believe that I can be forgiven but I just don't have the power to stay clean. I, I, don't, have the, I don't have the willpower, Pastor, to, to quit the sin. I, I know. Because if you're working in your own self, in your own willpower, it, it's next to impossible. But when we accept what Jesus did on the cross, He says not only are we forgiven, but we can be free of the shame and guilt. Forgiveness also free. That's why we sing songs about breaking away and breaking the, the power of sin over our lives. The Bible says it this way. He whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Here's, here's kind of the title of my message. Jesus was not just a fit man, but He was cross-fit. Huh? Come on, man, that took a little bit. All right. I'm going to have to preach that to my family this afternoon, and they're going to have to get a little bit more happier on that. CrossFit. This, this morning, I want you to see that the man that was chosen had to have the ability to be a fit man. He had to have the ability to not only be able to say, you know, I have the capacity to be able to take this go out into the wilderness, but I have to take him so far out to get the sins away from the, the, the family, the, the people of Israel. 
I've got to take him so far out into this wilderness. But here's the key. I've got to find my way back to the camp. That I don't get lost in, in getting the sins away. Dad, so many times that we keep the sin away from our family and we tell our children, no, you won't be doing that. You, you won't do that. That won't happen in my house. But if we're not careful in, in preaching to our children and, and disciplining our family and setting the direction, if we're not careful, if we're not in that spiritual fit, that we are too. We too can get lost. This morning I want to kind of give you a, a verbal picture of a passage in the Scripture that can show you the difference of a fit man and, and, and a guy that wasn't fit, that could not separate himself from all the temptations of the world. This is a story that I've preached before, and it's a sermon that, that every time I hear it, it, it shakes my heart, because here's a man that has been in the middle of the, the God thing. But just over time, gradual, the desires of the heart instead of the desires of God got the best of him. This morning, if you'll turn to Genesis, this message, I want to keep it real short so that you take it away and you begin to think upon it because I understand that sometimes we hear things and we don't respond until we process it, process it. It's one thing to hear it. It's one thing to know it. But when we process it in our life and walk it out, it's all another thing. The two men is Abram, which will become Abraham, and his nephew Lot. Now, here's what I want you to start with, is understand that God says to Abraham, I want you to leave your country and your family. And I want you to go to a place that I'll tell you, a place you don't even know. So, I mean, kind of like Mr. Magoo, he starts out, he don't have a clue, he's just walking around. And God says, go here, go there, go here. He goes down from Ur of Chaldees, and if you know that just in your picture of your mind, Israel is long and narrow, and he starts up in the north, and he goes through Israel, which isn't Israel at the time, but he goes all the way down to Egypt, he kind of gets in some trouble, and then he comes back to the middle, so to speak, of Israel, and that's what, where we're at now. He has taken his nephew Lot with him, and Abraham, in, in verse 2, I don't have it up here, but trust me, verse 2, it says that he becomes, watch this, Abram had become very wealthy. Did, you know the Bible didn't have to put that adjective there, very. I, I want to see Abraham, very wealthy. Pastor, I don't believe in prosperity. I don't believe in wealth. I don't believe God wants us. Do you think God wanted him to be very wealthy or did he just fall into it? God blessed him. It says it in the book of Genesis that he said, I will be a blessing. You will be a blessed. Now watch this. The reason why I'm saying that is because the difference between a fit man and a man that is not is a man that will take circumstances and allow them to influence him well, let's just say influencing. That can be good, it can be bad. In Genesis 13.2, again, it says, Abram had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and gold. Abraham, very wealthy. I, I want to point that out. Because where we're going, somebody's going to say, well, pastor doesn't like 
people that's very wealthy in silver and gold. Abraham is doing it right. He has money, silver and gold, but he also has an asset, which is livestock, that is going to continue bringing in income. Now, I want you to see his nephew Lot has tagged along really with his uncle and has become very blessed too. He's become very wealthy in livestock. The reason I know that is because the passage today starts with these two guys are so wealthy and their animals are so plentiful or they're so numerous that they have a problem. The market has grown so big that they can't live together anymore. It's not because they don't like each other. It's because there's not enough grass for their animals. So the, the top hands of the ranch, the foremans, are fighting. Get your animals off our part of the grass. You know, kind of like the Old West. And before the big shootout or before the big argument, fighting with their fist and everything, Abraham and Lot get together. They kind of have a board meeting or a business meeting, whatever you want to call it. And they're, they're kind of looking over the situation. And so they begin to strategy, have strategy and strategic planning of what's going to come next. Now, both of these men, fathers, they're, they're trying to advance in their life. And, and they come up with this strategy. And it, it's not a, you know, brain freeze or anything. It's just what everybody would come to. We can't live together. We have too many animals. So they agreed to part. Now, if you're Lot, you don't get it. The blessing that you have has come through your uncle which is God coming through his uncle Abraham to him. He should have said, I'll sell half of my herd. I'm not leaving you for anything. But he missed that. But anyway, that's another story another time. So Abraham says to his nephew, you choose where you want to go. And the Bible says, I don't think it was Father's Day, but Lot looked, and let's just read it because it, it makes a lot of sense. And, and here in verse 12, look at that in Genesis. Not verse 12, let's look at verse 10 and 11. It says, and Lot lifted up his eyes. <clears throat> Very important. And Lot lifted up his eyes after he's give, been given the choice, you choose. He lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered, Everywhere. Now this was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. And it looked like even as the garden of the Lord. What, what's the garden of the Lord? That's the garden of Eden. They, they look on the, the plains. Now Jordan is this great river that goes through Israel. And you can imagine the most fertile soil is on both sides of the, the river. So these men are looking and Lot says, there's what I want. And so it says, verse 11, So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out towards the east. The two men parted company. Wow. Now I want you to see this. The first point of my message today is Lot looked towards Sodom. You know why this is important? Because it always starts with our eyes. Now, Again, I'm speaking because it's Father's Day to fathers, but everybody has to understand 
and I've said it many times before, whatever gets our, hey, you know, attention. Whatever gets our attention will get our focus. We can be doing something. Have you ever been in a, in a restaurant and, and someone slams a door and all of a sudden you go, oh. Whatever gets your attention will get your focus and whatever your focus will determine your direction and whatever your direction is will determine your destiny. It's not good intentions. So the Bible says that he looks towards Sodom and all of a sudden he begins to look at the well-watered plains of Jordan and all of a sudden, hey, 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 looky here. I have a thousand, I have two thousand, I have three thousand cows. I don't know what he has, but the desire he thinks is going to multiply what he has. We don't have any description that he said, you know what? Let me pray about it. Let me think about it. Let me allow God and the Holy Spirit to speak to me. Again, the Holy Spirit at this time is not uh, on the face of the earth, but God could have spoke to him. That There's a time in, Dad, your life that you have to say, even though my eyes are on that, I, I need to consider my number one influencer in my life, and that is God. I I've got to understand, God, is this for me? Or is it just something that looks like a good thing? Remember, every decision, you need to have the ability to go before God. The, the one thing I've, I've learned in my life, and let me tell you, I, I'm still working through it, is I want to constantly advance. Do you hear me, Dad? I, I want to I want to be promoted, and I want to I want to advance in my life. I, I want more. And I believe that God has given every one of us a purpose not to be complacent. But at the same time, in my advancement, here's a lot of times what I've got to... The voice of the Holy Spirit sounds a lot like Gwen. You know what I mean? My wife. <laughs> Did you hear her laugh? But, but, and dads are going, man, you had to go there. But what happens is, I, I want to acquire more assets in our family, and I, I want more advancement in those areas. But the more that I obtain, hear me, the more upkeep that it takes, and the more upkeep that it takes, it takes what? More time. Let me just give you a quick illustration. You live in an apartment. You wanted to say, I would like to own my own house. Good thing. But you have to count the cost of buying that house. There's something that comes with it. A water heater that breaks every five years. Or a lawn that needs to be mowed every week. It's going to take more time. It's a good thing, but then it's, it's the same thing. Nobody wants to drive a bike. But you realize when you buy a car that you better have the money not only to buy the car, but actually to put gas in the car. Can I say, anybody say amen on that? You know, a lot of people, and maybe you, moved down from another state to Texas. And you go, man, I sold my house in California and I can buy a bigger house in Texas. And then at the end of the year, you go, what's this deal with property tax? Yeah. 
Do, do you understand? We have to realize that when our eyes get on to something and we go, hey, that's, that's for me, that's for me, I want that. Again, Dad, to realize as we walk with God, as we serve God, God knows what's coming. He knows the property tax. He knows the price of gas. It's going to be next week, next month, next year. And, and it, again, comes back to wisdom. Now, the second point I want you to see is that Lot longed for Sodom. I want you to see this. In verse 12, it says, Abraham dwelled in the land of Canaan. Abraham is outside of this area, but he's still in the region. He dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and he pitched his tent towards Sodom. What does that mean? That here he is, and he's setting up his dwelling place, and it's right there towards Sodom. Every morning when he gets up and has his Axiom coffee, and he walks out his tent, he looks, and he sees Sodom. This is something, again, I, I, we can assume a lot of things. Can, can I just go there? As, it, as he's looking at Sodom, there, there could have been thoughts in his mind that began like this. Ooh, that's a wicked place. That's a place that my family's not going to be a part of. I tell you what, we'll, we'll just put our dwelling place right here and we'll look at it and we'll just kind of make fun of that. That's sin. <laughs> We're going to be out here, not us. We're not going to participate in that. Do you hear me, kids? No, sir. No, we're not. <laughs> They're having a party tonight? It's just a celebration. What I know is that when his eyes got on Sodom, the next step is that his heart, you know, you've heard the song, I left my heart in San Francisco. <laughs> I, I believe Lot had his heart in Sodom. And, and the Bible says that it, he, he's beginning to set up his house and he longs for the things that are going on there. The, the heart, the Bible says in Jeremiah, I believe it's 17, that the heart is wicked above all things. Who can understand it? And here's what I do know, that when, when, when you want something bad enough and your eyes have been focused on it, and your direction has changed for that, and all of a sudden you begin to see the movement towards that, it, it can be something that you buy. It can be a new shirt because we know that buying something for us, it brings immediate happiness until that thing wears out, you know, or a little got a little age on it. But what we do know is financially we look at that and we go, we, we shouldn't buy that. We really don't afford But there's something about that that... <laughs> and, and see, Lot could have been going through this. I want it so bad. And what happens is when, when you begin to see it and your heart wants it, your heart will send a message to your brain. Come up with a real good excuse why you have to have that. Am I preaching to anyone beside John Miller this morning? And your, your brain begins to go, well, really religion is something totally different than business. And, and tells Lot's, tells heart, 
it tells Lot's heart, hey, hey, if we just if we just live out here, if we just visit for our business, we're going to still praise God and worship God out here on the outskirts of Sodom. It's not so bad. But it says that he longs for Sodom. Now, now the last point is not do we see his... I mean, now we see his eyes desired, his heart is desiring to be there, but now we see his physical body actually in the city of Sodom. The progression that has happened. The Bible says in verse 1 of chapter 19 of Genesis that God has declared that it is so wicked in Sodom that He will destroy it. Now, you would say, well, why would God destroy it? What you think of wickedness, they tell us it's probably 10x. Probably 10 times worse than what we could have ever imagined. God sends these angels to warn Lot, and it, I encourage you to read it, it's because of Abraham that they're there to warn Lot to come out of that. Now watch this. In verse 1 of chapter 19 it said, The two angels arrived at Sodom in the evening. Everybody hear that? The two angels arrived at Sodom in the evening. Can you get a mental picture of this? And Lot was sitting in the gateway of the city. That, that's where the elders of the town sat. That's the, come on now, that's the Dairy Queen where the older retired men sat and drank coffee. That's where we find Lot. He's at the gateway of the city. How'd he get there? I thought he was on the outskirts in his tent. When he saw those two angels, he got up to meet them and bowed down with his face to the ground. My lords, he said, please turn aside to your servant's house. Look, what? Now, the third point is, Lot lives in Sodom. Did I just read that right? That now he has a house? He's not living in a tent. Please turn aside to your servant's house. You can wash your feet and spend the night and then go on your way early in the morning. In other words, I'll be your motel, your hotel. You stay with me. Now we think of, wow, isn't that generous that he wants to host these guys? Now again, these are angels, but they're not seven foot tall glowing with wings, okay? These are, these are like men that God has sent. Now listen to what they say. They said, no, we will spend the night in the square, the city square. <clears throat> but he insisted so strongly that they did go with him and, there it is, entered his house. He prepared a meal for them, baking bread without yeast, and they ate. Now, let me just summarize for the sake of time. The reason why he invited them to his house and didn't want them to stay in the city square... Everybody, do you know why? Because those men of Sodom were so wicked, they wanted to rape them. See, Lot knows that. He lives in the middle of that. He has two daughters, a family in the middle of that. And, and you've got to ask yourself, how in the world did this man of God that spent his life with Abraham walking by faith and seeing blessing after blessing get to the point that now he's living in the middle of this Dirt. It's a question that 
dead, you've got to ask yourself. Because we're all tempted to go right there. The Bible says that these angels tell him, here's what's going to happen, Lot. God is going to destroy this place. I mean, wipe it out. You need to go with us now. And he was like, what? And it says that they tell him, watch this, if you have any family here, go tell them that they have to leave. Go with you and they're gonna, we're going to get out of town right now. And the Bible says that he has two sons that are engaged to his daughters. Now this is, this is again, the, the progression of the path of least resistance. Because the Bible says that Lot goes to his future son-in-laws, which are betrothed, which is almost in their culture like they're married. They're, very, they're part of the family. And, and Lot goes to them and goes, Guys, we got to get out of here. God's going to destroy this place. And they begin to... They thought he was joking. What a dad's joke. <laughs> My son. <laughs> Sodom's going to be destroyed. <laughs> because, it, and then you got to ask yourself, Dad, why is it in, in God's green earth did they think he, he was joking? A man that is a fit spiritual man has already allowed everybody that knows him who he's serving and what his morals are. But apparently he has not allowed his son-in-laws that information of who he serves as God. And the, the Bible says that when the angels then turn to Lot and say, let's go, he hesitates. The angels grab his hand and his wife's hand and away they go like they're in a rush. They leave the city, and you know the story, probably if you know anything about the story, it says that Lot's wife, you know, again, she's there. She's been influenced by the town to the point where she turns and looks back and turns into a pillar of salt. The Bible says that the angels take the two daughters and the father out into the, the next city that's some distance away, and actually, hellfire and brimstone comes down on Sodom to the point that even today we have never found that city or the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. The, the, again, when you look at that, you think, how in the world did he go from where he was to where he ended up? And if you know the future part of that story that goes on even further is that he goes and finally they find themselves in a cave and the, the daughters end up getting dad drunk and having sex with him for both of those daughters to end up having children. Now again, there's something about where we live that you always hear the end of the story. And you don't know how the progression took place. But the Bible shows us just this almost boom, 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 pow. Can I, can I tell you, it's a history lesson that's in the Word of God for us. And today you're faced with decisions every day, literally hundreds if not thousands of choices. And choices are like sowing seed. And when that seed comes up, you say, you know what? I know where I was putting my tent towards because of the fruit of what now I see in my life. 
The truth of his truth of the whole point of our lives is that we all search for significance. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. But it is in what we are searching for, if we're not careful, that we place in front of God. And we begin to make that priority over our lives. The Bible says that Abraham, as he pleaded with God not to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, and God said, I will not destroy it on your word if there's this amount of men that are righteous. And he goes down all the way to 10. They, they couldn't even find righteous people, even in Lot's family, just a few, destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah because of that. Lot was not a fit man. He could not take and separate the sin even from his own family. It's pretty sobering when we read the story and we think about the truth of the Word of God that says, and maybe you've heard it this way, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Let me say it again. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. The Bible puts it this way in James. God's enemy should have no place as your friend. In the things of the world that are opposite of the will of God, when we take that upon ourselves, we make that our friend. And let me say it in a way that you've heard it. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but it is of the world. Again, Ask yourself, Father, where am I pitching my tent today? Where is it that I'm focused on? Can I conclude the message by saying again and having us focus this morning right here because there, there's people here and there's people here and there's people here and then there's people that don't even believe that what they're doing is wrong even though it's in the Word of God. So there's a variety of places where people are in this service this morning. But you're here and the good news is Jesus Christ died on the cross for us and, and His blood became our sacrifice. But the good news is that He rose again on the third day to be our liberator. Separating us from that sin that has plagued us. This morning, no matter what position you're in you might be a spiritual fit man and you're living a life and you're you're influencing your family and the people at work and I, I say thank God for you in our world but father this morning I'm speaking that if you're in a place that your, your eyes have caught something and, and, and then your heart is telling you it's okay it's okay and maybe this morning there's some people that are actually living in Sodom Maybe nobody knows about it, but you know about it. 
The good news is that our God can forgive us and break that sin off of us, that we do not have to continue to live in that. This morning, I want to pray over the whole church, but especially fathers. And this morning, father, dads, men, if I said that I just got report that an enemy from a foreign country has invaded the United States, and they're coming and they're, they're destroying families and they're destroying people. There's something about us that are men that there's something that just wells up in us. And I know two ladies it wells up in you, but for men there's something about protecting our families and we say, oh no, they will not take our family. I'll fight to the death. But there's something about the enemy, spiritual enemy that's out there that's against us to destroy us so that they can the enemy can get to our family and we go you know what though it feels so good just to just to get you know i just want to get a little closer there's got to be something that dwells up and we say we're sick and tired of living in that this morning my message is not to condemn you hear me but to give you hope That there is a a breaking out that God can give you this morning to give you a freedom that maybe you haven't experienced in years. And today is the beginning. Would you bow your heads with me? God, today you are so gracious. And Father, sometimes the enemy speaks to us that there's no way that we can be forgiven. Or even if we're forgiven, that we can't be free. And so that we continue in that junk. God, today, I I speak life over my men that are here. That God, is you have given them the right to be spiritual leaders in their their family. To influence their, their wives and their children for you. To even spiritually speaking, stick out their chest and say, no harm will come to my family if it's up to me. That Father... There's some here today that have been in the battle. And maybe some of, them, some of them have fallen. But God, Your grace is sufficient for them to give them hope that they can again get it back up on their knees and, and then stand up on their feet and say, my God has forgiven me and my God has given me freedom to fight again. And Father, I pray for each Father, that's here today. That God, this is a new day. And God, because it's a new day and a new way, that God, here's, here's God, my desire is that you would help them and show them that God, it, it's the little steps that it takes at the start. Father, patience to, to change direction and then time over time they will get back to the destiny that they want to live and to lead in their family. God, I ask for spiritually fit and cross-fit men today at the chapel. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.